listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live on bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give to you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to Jerusalem and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you his peace. Welcome. We have the very first Sunday of Lent in the reading here. Uh, suggests a, um, a topic which I'm going to preach on, but it's, a, it's kind of an intense topic. It's kind of a, a potentially scary topic. So I'm going to try to interject some humor just because I know we have children here, okay? But it's the, the topic of the demonic. You know, at the very beginning of Lent, we have the story of Jesus The Holy Spirit, after his baptism, leads him, drives him for a 40-day retreat in the desert. And he's praying and he's fasting and he's doing spiritual combat with the devil. And uh, in many ways, this is what we're doing in Lent. The church devised the season of Lent. So we're imitating the life of Jesus. So together as a church, we have 40 days of praying and fasting and all kinds of Lenten practices and devotions as we prepare to celebrate Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And um, we have an opportunity to re-look at some of the basics of our faith, that we are in combat against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And um, so today's Sunday suggests the theme of the demonic. And boy, that's kind of a, it's an intense topic. (laughs) Okay. And I want to share with you that... um, some of the saints who had um, a gift for doing spiritual warfare have a lot of um, great advice for us. And so I want to bring some of that in, okay? Um, 
So there are two directions in which we can make a mistake regarding this topic, okay? Two, two extremes that we want to avoid. The first one is trying to think that the devil has all the power, the devil is everywhere, and everything that happens, he's, he's there, he's involved, you know. It's kind of an extreme, it's a mistake. Uh, uh, kind of like a euphemism, you know, like looking for the devil under every rock. So no, he's not all powerful. God is all powerful. There's no contest. He is a creature. He's an angel created good by God originally, and he rejected God and became a fallen angel. And so um, we don't, it would be a mistake to try to blame, you, you see that sometimes people, they just blame everything on the devil. I'll never forget when I was a kid visiting my grandparents and they had a swimming pool and there was this mischievous little boy living next door. And uh, you know, remember Dennis the Menace? Okay, this was, this was Micah the Menace. Menace. And uh, he, uh, one night he threw all the lawn furniture in the um, swimming pool. And the next morning his parents made him come over to apologize and we're all at my grandparents' house and there's a little knock on the door and there's Micah and um, he's looking down and he says to my grandparents, I just want to apologize for throwing all the lawn furniture in your swimming pool. The devil made me do it. <laughs> so um, the devil cannot make us do things. Sorry, Micah, you need to take responsibility for your own actions, okay. Um, so that's the first mistake we can make. Trying to make, like he's all powerful and he, whatever, okay, no. That's, an that's a mistake, that's an error. The other direction we can make a mistake is to pretend like the devil doesn't exist at all. And I think a lot of people are falling into that. One of the greatest tactics of the devil is if we don't even think about him. You, want, you know, in our modern way of thinking, we, we kind of feel like we know everything now with progress and science and technology and we're so smart now that, oh, that's like a mythology from the past and there really is no devil. Eh, wrong. Another mistake. He is real. He is real. And so we, the church encourages us to avoid the two extremes. You know, so we try to stay in the middle there. We realize what is true, that the devil is real. And, um, but he's, he's not God. He's not all-powerful. But he is real. And so in this life, it is normal. In the life of faith, it is normal spiritual combat, spiritual warfare. It is normal. It is normal, um, and it is real. Um, I'm, I'm a little afraid that maybe because of movies and because of Hollywood, uh, this topic has become sensationalized and scary. You, know, you imagine images of these scary movies, and, and again, it's another mistake. Um, the, the most powerful presence of the devil is when we sin. He encourages us to reject God, and he encourages us to sin, and he encourages us to be divided against each other. You know, so that, that's when he, oh, he's really present. He encourages us to doubt God, to doubt that God is a good father, that God is trustworthy, that God is um, worth having a relationship with. That's the powerful stuff from the devil. You know, and it's a little bit of his tactic with Jesus um, here in this account of the temptation. But um, there's a story 
from one of my favorite saints, St. Therese of Little Flower, St. Therese of Lisieux. We have a uh, painting of her in the corner over there by the confessionals, the Little Flower Doctor of the Church. She had a dream when she was a little girl, and in the dream she saw these little devils. She's a little girl. And um, in the dream, as she looked at them, they were terrified of her. And she's just a little girl. Who's terrified of a little girl? The devil is. <laughs> because as a little girl, she was so filled with the Holy Spirit and she had such a love and trust of God that they were terrified of her. So when we trust in the Lord, when we become like children and have faith, we have the presence of the Trinity dwelling in our soul through grace. They are afraid of us. They are afraid of us. And um, an another saint who had uh, some mystical gifts to do combat with the forces of evil was St. Padre Pio. I think we have four or five statues of him here. <laughs> okay, so he's right here with us. St. Padre Pio, wonderful Franciscan priest and mystic. And um, he also did a lot of combat, spiritual combat. And St. Padre Pio would teach us that we have a weapon to fight against evil. And he would say the greatest weapon we have is the rosary. The prayer of the rosary has power. No wonder the Blessed Mother at Fatima and other places has been encouraging us, my dear children, pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. The rosary is a weapon. And um, I want to share with you that um, I have grown to love the rosary. We have the joyful mysteries, the luminous mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, and the glorious mysteries. And there is something about the rosary. There is something about the rosary, particularly if you acquire the, the habit and devotion of praying the rosary every day. Something starts to happen which is really powerful and beautiful. And that must be why our Blessed Mother is inviting us, out of all the prayers and devotions, pray the rosary every day. Um, in one aspect, we have stories of Jesus telling the apostles that certain evil spirits are only cast out through prayer and fasting. And so I think the Blessed Mother's encouraging us to pray the rosary and to fast is we are participating in a worldwide exorcism. That our prayers and our fasting and the rosary can stop wars. Whoa! You know, it, another message, maybe we need to relook at that message these days, huh? That prayer and fasting can stop wars. That prayer and fasting can deliver and liberate from the presence of the evil one. Something as simple as the rosary, a spiritual weapon. Isn't that something? I love that. And you know, part of what makes the rosary so special is you go through those mysteries and you're seeing all the highlights of the life of Jesus and Mary. And something starts to happen as you become more and more familiar. You know, if you acquire the habit of praying that rosary daily, um, well, I want to compare it to playing the guitar. So I'll never forget when I was a teenager and I was first learning to play the guitar. It wasn't always fun. It wasn't always easy. 
But I'll tell you what, I played the guitar every day for three decades now. And something starts to happen with the repetition. And at the moment, um, I can play the guitar and there's a dexterity and a, um, there's a facility in the playing of the instrument where sometimes I don't even have to think about it. And there's just a beautiful gift of just being able to play that instrument for the glory of God. And um, I think something similar happens with the praying of the rosary. The repetition, the daily fidelity, you, something starts to happen where the, the Holy Spirit starts to take you deep into prayer. But again, it's, you get to the point where it's almost becoming second nature and you don't necessarily have to think about it as much. And then the Lord starts really guiding you in that prayer of the rosary and beautiful things start to happen. I want to share one of those with you today. Um, not only have I grown to love the mysteries, I also have some bonus mysteries because anything in the life of Jesus is worthy of a mystery of the rosary. And so there's, there's room for, for, you know, and I'm thinking the temptation of Jesus. How is that not a mystery of the rosary, right? That's a perfect mystery of the rosary. So I call it the luminous mystery 1.5, okay? And, um, and praying that mystery, I meditate on this gospel that we just had and the, the temptation and the spiritual combat and uh, thinking about the strategy and tactics of the devil and of Jesus as he does combat. And the whole thing seems to be centered around the idea of if you are the son of God, there's this kind of like calling into question Jesus's identity, Jesus's relationship with the father. And brothers and sisters, all these years of priesthood and so many hours of hearing confessions, I've become convinced at the heart of every temptation the devil does in our lives, this is there. He tempts us to doubt the goodness of God the Father. He tempts us to doubt our identity as beloved sons and daughters, sons and daughters in the Son of God, Jesus, who we are, precious, made in God's image and likeness, called to communion, invited to a relationship, a relationship of love. It all boils, that's the, that's the Achilles heel that the devil is going after every time. And so let us call to mind the goodness of God. That even when we suffer and we struggle and we have situations where we're tempted to think maybe God is not trustworthy, maybe God is not good, maybe God isn't worthy of our love, we reject that temptation. We know that he is good. He does love us. He wants to have that relationship and that at the core of our being, who we are, beloved sons and daughters of God made in his image and likeness. That is the thing that the devil wants to go after again and again and again. Um, so to conclude, to just tell you a little story, which is a little weird and a little hilarious and a little bit ridiculous. So uh, one year I was on this pilgrimage to the Holy Land and in the pilgrimage to the Holy Land, we went to the place of Jesus's temptation. So it's on the edge of Jericho. There's a cliff and up in the cliff, there's the wilderness of Judea and there's some caves. 
And tradition has it that this is the place where Jesus went for 40 days. And wouldn't you know, in the early church, they built a monastery there. So there is now a monastery of the temptation of Christ. And you can see it up on these cliffs. And for some reason, they built a trolley car to get up there. So a big wire trolley car, you get up. And then next to the monastery, there's like a visitor's welcome center. And um, some of the pilgrims were asking me, like, what's in that welcome center up there? And I said, I have a hunch it's a casino. <laughs> the Mount of Temptation Casino. And probably behind it, there's a house of ill repute. I'll word it that way because I know there are young people here. But the temptations, you know, the world, the flesh, and the devil, it's all right there. And um, probably the best thing to do in the face of temptations is to laugh. Jesus has the victory. Where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus, the new Adam, and Mary, the new Eve, they conquered. There was a tree where we were defeated. The cross is the new tree where we are victorious, the tree of life. Um, and then after that, we had a chance to go to where the temple was. And the night before, I had a demonic dream. I had a dream where the evil spirits were attacking me. And um, that was not very nice. <laughs> okay. That morning, we get up and we go to this place, the Temple Mount. The temple is gone. Jesus had prophesied the temple would be destroyed. It's still gone. But we went over there. And when we were up on the Temple Mount, it's tense there. It's a, there's tension between the Jews and the Muslims, particularly. And there's the Dome of the Rock with the Golden Dome. And, uh, and it's just a, it's an interesting place. And when we got up there, I just felt... I felt a demonic presence. I don't quite know how to describe it, but I just had the feeling, the spiritual sensitivity, that there's something demonic here. There's tension in the air. And so I was praying. I was praying. And as we were up there, looking around at the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the, the Dome of the Rock and, the, and all of that, and this is where the temple was, and you know, we're learning about this stuff. I had an idea. So over in the corner of this place, is the parapet of the temple. That place where the devil took Jesus and said, throw yourself down, and he quoted the psalm that we prayed. <laughs> and so I walked over there to say a prayer. And I had this, this idea, maybe I'll jump. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I'll probably die. And then um, in all eternity, when I finally get out of purgatory and I make it to heaven, um, they'll be like, you remember when the devil tempted Jesus to jump off the parapet? There's the guy that did it, you know. <laughs> How stupid, you know. So I just, I laughed. It was such a silly and strange thought, and I laughed. But I had a very profound moment of prayer standing in that spot. And in that moment of prayer, I was able to intercede for everyone who falls for the bait. Everyone who has been tricked by the devil in different ways. And just praying and interceding for the grace of redemption. The grace to believe more firmly in the victory of Jesus. That through his death and resurrection, he has conquered. And we have nothing to fear. Love triumphs over evil. God triumphs over the devil. And he invites us to join that victory. It's one of the big messages of the Bible that we have nothing to be afraid of. What did Jesus say? I have overcome the world. What did St. Paul say? 
He who is in us is stronger than the world. And so, brothers and sisters, with a sense of humor, with a sense of humility, we trust in God. We trust in the Lord. And we know that Jesus never turned stones into bread. He did turn bread into his body and blood. And at every Mass, we come forward to communion to receive Jesus through the bread of life. And through the strength that comes from that, we have the victory over everything. Amen. You've been listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars, the renewal. Please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media, CFR underscore Franciscans. Thank you.